We are the ink to the page, Japan land the punch. On a mana pia boom pal, we got the stuff. We know they got story, been new, they got hard complex narratives and black carries. Tell me where they see us. Where I see us, where where I see us, they wanna be us. But tell me where they read us, not they wanna be us. At the damn cage, like a nigga from Georgia, insane and after brain and lacking in origin. At the flashbacks and shots to the system, downloading new issues and sitting for a listen. Where I see us, where I see us, they wanna be us. But tell me where they read us, now they wanna be us. They wanna be us. They, they, they wanna hey. be us. Where I see us. Where, hey, where, where I see us. Where I see where us. All the black where people where I see us. Man. Where, where I see us. Where, where I see Hello. Hello. How are you? You know, um, the uh, you ever seen the Rocky movies? Uh... <laughs> or like the general concept, you know. I know what it's about. <laughs> I feel like uh, an old boxer from Philadelphia in his forties. That's you know, come back from the from the brink. Um, I I feel like uh, you know, the first couple rounds I wasn't winning, but I'm I'm back. I'm back on my feet. I got some. I got my gloves on still. Okay. Um, okay. But so yeah, yeah. I'm gonna say okay. <laughs> okay. How are you? I'm doing, I guess, okay, do. Uh, I was going to take a nap before we recorded today, but you know what? I I did it. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm here (laughs) without a nap. Without a nap. All right, everyone. So welcome back to another episode of Where I See Me, the podcast where we look at comics and media but lots of questions in mind, mainly where the hell are all the black and brown people? And so I'm Jamie. And uh, I am Marcellus. And today we have a really special guest. We do. Marcellus, do you want to introduce our special guest? Coming to you live from Houston, Texas, in a room that is um, 15 feet away from me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um Kendrick Smith. Hi. Uh, hello, hello. You wanna um tell me a little bit about about your about yourself, uh good good friend? Uh yeah, sure. Um hi, my name is Kendrick Smith. Uh, Marcellus and I went to college together, the University of Missouri, Columbia for undergrad. Uh, shout out, we... shout out for the one time. <laughs> the only the only shout out that school will ever get. Uh, we have beef. There's beef. There's beef. It can be a better organization, but that's not what I'm here to they, complain about. They all be better though. Like... They they could and should. <laughs> um. But yeah, we went went to Mizzou together. Uh, we were both digital storytelling majors. Um, Marcellus and I have worked, uh, together on, uh, many projects at this point, film and otherwise, uh, we wrote our first feature together, uh, made it and are still (laughs) working on it. Uh, but yeah, that's, I, I like movies. I like movies (laughs) and TV. I like TV more than I like movies to be quite fair, but. I'm a, a multifaceted man. Uh, well, yeah. Welcome to the show, Kendrick. This is my first time meeting Kendrick. 
Yeah. Also, well, more like hearing Kendrick, but also like meeting Kendrick too. And like, yeah. Sound like like a grown up. I <laughs> <laughs> do. I in contrast to me. <laughs> I guess. <so. laughs> like, you I... sound like you you've read some books. Like you I know have read things. <laughs> I I would I would presume to know things. At least uh, a little bit of things. Some things. He is a learned man. A learned man. I, I like books. Books are nice. I read them on occasion. Whenever life gives me the opportunity. It's hard to find time to read books now, though. Even though we're still in... I mean, are we still in quarantine? We are. It, it doesn't feel like it, but we are. It's not whatever we're quarantining from is not being contained. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. Oh my god! I just read something. I think it was today. They're saying that the scientists have figured out that asymptomatic people—the reason why they feel fine who are carrying the virus—is because the virus also like makes all your pain go away or something. There's something with pain relief in the virus. And someone posted it and I was just like, I'm like, we're like, we're like yeah. literally learning new things every day. Yeah. I was listening to another podcast where they were saying like, this one person had got it and she was living with her boyfriend. And like, they had been of course, like intimate and close or whatever. They're living in the same space, but he never got it. And yes. it's, I just, I don't know. Um, That's actually pretty common. I've heard my, uh, my dad, actually, that happened to him. Uh, his, uh, the person he's staying with, uh, she got COVID and he did not. And like quarantine, went to the doctor, checked him out. And he was like, yeah, no, you're good. And he's like, how is that possible? Exactly. How is that possible? Like so, it shouldn't be, it should not be possible based on everything we had been told. I know. I look. Well, maybe it's kind of like, um, uh, as you know, as a scientist, uh, I think the, the movie. <laughs> Os- <laughs> I think the movie. <laughs> Osmosis Jones, I'm just saying the movie Osmosis Jones tells us that there is, you know, a certain amount of, uh, what is it? There's infrastructure, right? For uh huh. For keeping these sort of bad guys out of the body, you mean um, of course. System. Yeah, yeah, you can. That's a good. That's a good term for it. Everyone um, just has a little Chris Rock running around inside them, killing germs. Apparently, so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I. That's it's. They wouldn't lie to us. They wouldn't. And movies don't lie. <laughs> movies never lie. As someone, as someone who claims to make films, um, movies have never lied. Uh, <laughs> they're all true. Every single one, every single movie you've seen is probably true, Ooh. except the ones uh, oh. that aren't. I see we, we starting already. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <sighs> but yeah, whoever, I mean, this virus is so new. They, they publish something on it every day. They really don't, they don't know. So, we're always learning. We're always learning. Be safe, everyone. Wear a mask. Try not to breathe on people. 
Someone breathed on me. I'm reliving it now in my head. <laughs> I went to Mod Pizza like two weeks ago. And Ooh. this couple comes in. They don't stand six feet away from me. They're like really close behind me. Then there's this little family in front of me ordering every pizza they could ever make. In my oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, like, no. Between, between this couple who apparently like, they're like an older couple who are like maybe in their... I'd say like late 40s, early 50s. Mm-hmm. And um, they're like talking real loud. And the woman is like, once they do take their order, is like leaning all over the counter and pointing st- at stuff and touching. Neither one of them had a mask on. No, no. They're the only two people in the entire mod pizza at 7 p.m. on a Monday who didn't have a mask on. And no one told them to put one on because mod pizza is run by a bunch of little children. Who don't mm. they just do their job? They just yeah. try to do their job and get a check. Like <laughs> they don't want to. They don't want to be the person that ends up on a video because someone gets too loud and too just up in arms about putting on a mask yeah. to save someone's life. Uh-huh. It is my constitutional right to order this pizza and possibly kill you oh. and possibly kill you. Yes. And then, like she had, they had the nerve to try to skip me in line. Like they what? actually had never been there before. And it was what? just so weird because it's like they they were like they didn't know where the line was. And it's like you literally was standing right behind me. So why would you think you can go in front of me? That's in the 50 job? years you've been on the planet, you've never been into a business <laughs> in which you've had to line up. <laughs> I just I'm just like I was so mad because I had just driven back from work. And like as I've said before on this podcast, my commute is like an hour. And so yeah. I had just driven back. I was like, I'm gonna go to Mod Pizza. It's a bunch of people in there. I'm like, already. I was like, oh, maybe <laughs> and then of course they walk in, just breathing on stuff, all loose and whatever, and just like <laughs> breathing all loose yeah! <laughs> with the saggy lungs, like I- <laughs> carbon dioxide, just all the CO2 just out out in the restaurant. Like, what's wrong with you? CO2 electric boogaloo looking. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's wild how this has changed the way we view social interactions mm-hmm. where something as simple as, you know, not wearing a mask and, you know, breathing everywhere becomes uh, almost an offense, like farting would have been considered. It's like <laughs> not wearing a mask and breathing on stuff is now 2020's farting, where if you see someone do it, or hear someone do it, I guess. You're like, oh, come on. Like, you could have not do that. You have common courtesy. common courtesy. Or at least say, excuse me. Or at least don't enter the business. This is getting all muddled. I, I'm backing up. <laughs> I'm backing out of the analogy. It, you, it, it started good. It I started felt, fine. I felt it. I tried to go too deep. I dug it's too okay. deep. It's okay. Because you know what? It, there's some truth in that. Because... What it does is like when you go out and you see people who are refusing to wear a mask, it tells you everything you need to know about them, right? Yeah. It's that yeah. one action tells you like, oh, okay, you wouldn't HEB without a mask on, okay. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> you know all just love HEB and just be all up in there trying to touch and everything, um, but okay. Um, so yes. It, it it tells you everything you need to know about that person. It is it is 
an offense. I don't know if I would tell someone. I wouldn't tell someone to put a mask on because I do like that is their choice. If you want, just don't breathe on me. That's my thing. Like don't yeah. be real close to me. <laughs> like I, if I see someone without a mask, I I view it as someone who I I like. I like animals. Like if you showed me a picture of a dog, I'd be like, that looks pretty cool. Um, but in person, like if I see a dog without a person next to it on a leash, um, I'm, I'm immediately going to be like, oh, that's dangerous. I'm not going to go near that. Uh, if I see someone without a mask on in public, I view it. It's the same energy of like, oh, that's dangerous. It is. I, that's, I'm gonna, I don't care if it is a baby or if it is someone in a wheelchair, it's the same (laughs) level of like. Do I have a tennis slot? I don't know if I have a tennis slot. I don't know if I'm going to survive an encounter with that. Um, well, I mean, that was your COVID update for those of you. <laughs> 12 minutes of panic and anger. That was your COVID update. Um, you know, so be safe. Wear a mask. Don't be a jackass. I'll be a mask. Wear a mask. Don't be a jackass. That rhymes. Also, someone put it on a shirt. That should be on. I was just about to say that deserves to be on a shirt. <laughs> and it could be a donkey with a mask on. That that's pretty. Oh, that's good. Uh, that's branding. That, that's branding. You guys need to start getting. Uh, need to start uh, building up merch ideas. Oh, for this church, show. Church, right. Oh, we I have think... to like go back and listen to like key things we've said. Yeah. That's true. We need to get what's our what's our catchphrase? How do we? <laughs> <laughs> what's our catchphrase? What's the money words? The money phrases. Um, um, raggedy. <laughs> just raggedy on a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I dig it. <laughs> okay, we should probably actually get into the topic for the show today. Yeah, we should. <laughs> Um, oh, oh, I can I can pivot us. Uh, speaking of COVID, um, going to movie theaters is like scary. Um, but there's a lot of movies coming out right now. Are there? Uh, or not coming? Out. Yeah, kind of, <laughs> movies that were supposed to come of, out. Yeah, they're like they were scheduled to to, to release, and but <laughs> money and so <laughs> a lot of uh, a lot of. Um, uh, companies keeping keeping a handle on instead of releasing digitally pushing things off and pushing things off like new york hasn't really opened up anything to uh to be to be uh, shown in theaters and it's it's kind of like a pipeline just backed up there's almost nothing to to really watch a lot of theaters i, I keep especially in houston i keep seeing they uh like we're screening Back to the Future again, please come, <laughs> please come. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I saw in the news that a lot of the Regal Cinema uh, Theater, Regal Cinema Theaters, are, are closing temporarily because all of the films that were slotted to come out this fall are like being pushed back. So they're like, we don't have anything to show, so we're yeah. gonna like you know go to the house and sit down somewhere. Right. And really think think about what what the hell we're gonna do. But there's been a bunch of movies, especially because we're in spooky season. There's a lot of Halloween, mm. like new horror movies and t- horror TV shows on streaming services that are coming out this month. Um, oh really? Yes. 
um, whether or not they are good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Remains to be seen. I just, I just actually, I saw uh, a brief like thing that someone made about Antebellum that just came out. Oh my god! Mm. Uh, and <laughs> I heard it's not great. I'm really glad oh, you brought that movie no. up because I in one of our previous episodes mentioned that Jordan Peele was working on a film. He has nothing to do with that film whatsoever. I thought he, he did. did. I thought he did. And then I copied his style. I'm, oh my God. Us, I think to the topic of today, there are a lot of black yes. movie, black horror movies coming out right now from what it feels mm-hmm. like. So you have Antebellum, which I heard was horrible. Uh, yeah. There's another movie called Spell. That is produced by Morris Chestnut and Kurt Wimmer. Oh, I think um, I saw something about that. It's like this guy he's in. Oh, and what's 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 his name? Hardwick. What's his name? Oh, Amari Hardwick. Thank you. Amari Hardwick is the is the lead. Loretta Devine's in it, and like mm-hmm. he is like in a plane crash with his family, and ends up like somewhere oh. somewhere in the country. And there's, and there's voodoo, voodoo yeah, involved. and it's all this you know traditional spooky voodoo stuff. Hollywood voodoo, mm-hmm. not the real voodoo. Um, yeah, there's that yeah. one. It's called Spell. Um, it's supposed to come out October 30th, but I don't know if it's going to be on a streaming service or not. Um, mm-hmm. If it was smart, they would. The, it, yeah, if they were smart, they would put it on a streaming service. And a, and a popular one too, not like. All right, hello, welcome to Peacock. <laughs> the NBC. <laughs> not to, <laughs> not to like, yeah. Whoa. <laughs> but you know what I mean? There goes that like, sponsorship. <laughs> gives you, oh, uh, well, a damn. <laughs> that NBC sponsorship I'm you were going to get. Man. I'm just saying, NBC, listen, I'm not buying your service just to watch 30 Rock. That's all <laughs> They got, they got the, just, isn't the new oh no I'm thinking about CBS All Access see all of them got see yeah <laughs> they all so it's essentially become the thing that everyone said it was going to be where it's like ugh, once you know Netflix gets big Hulu's going to get big then everybody else is just going to make their own streaming services rather than use the ones that exist and we're just back at cable right pretty much and you just have to decide which streaming yeah makes me itch um, right, but you know, I our our topic that we're talking about today is black media, which can go in so many different directions. So I'm really excited to see what you guys have been thinking about um, in regards to black media, because I've been talking about like black art in a in a group chat with some other friends, um, mm-hmm. and even that conversation has been really interesting. Um, and what is considered what is quote unquote black art or black media production, like whether it's like black movies or the outlets in which black creativity comes out. Um, but what do you guys think of when you hear like what like in your mind comes what comes to mind when you think of black media? I I, I always get drawn to like um movies and animation specifically uh i mean not like you know animated movies but like both of those sort of uh 
realms because I think those the characters in both of those uh, those uh, uh, venues always stuck with me the most. Um, like animated, I was saying like Static Shock, characters like uh, uh, Cyborg. Um, thinking about like um, the Justice League, um, Unlimited, like the the, the Black Green Lantern. Um, so for you, it's black media like, mean like. Is it more that black? It's like the characters are black, not necessarily that the creators are black, but the. I think of characters okay. first, yeah, just because I, I think it's important that with, with film, I always think to who's behind the camera, but when it comes to animation, even if they are like, you know, <laughs> heavens forbid, voiced by, by a white actor or a non you know, black actor, I just think of like kids get to see those characters so i think the fact that they exist at all um makes it important within you know quote-unquote black media um but i think yeah with, with film it always ends up being like who's the directors who's producing it who's actually mm-hmm. making this this uh this story um because you can oh my gosh you can have a really great actor um, in a quote-unquote black film and it can be so like damaging or bad <laughs> green book um, <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> this controversial takes. on this on this podcast not enough to be if i'm being honest do it more <laughs> i rest my case here <laughs> Um, well, I guess in contrast to Marcellus, when I think of black art, when it comes to like film and such, I, again, I lean towards television. Um, and so I think in television far um, in a in a different way than like movies or film do, um, television has a better way of exploring a character just because you get more time to do so right you get ep- you get like 13ish episodes you get multiple seasons to really go into depth about each of these characters in this and the situations they're in mm-hmm. um and so for me in that situation i'm kind of thinking about both the people on screen and the people off screen right um because again, because we're spending so much more time with these characters, I feel like that is when the burden of, you know, getting it right, you know, really matters because you're not just there for like an hour and a half or two hours watching this character. And you can kind of screw up that character a little bit and be like, ah, uh, but the but the experience as a whole is like kind of what makes it where I feel like in television, it's far more heavy on the characters have to be and feel right in this have to be telling you know the most powerful version of their story in order to work out because if it's not good i'm not gonna spend more than like one or two episodes invested in it um uh, so is blackish a no for you blackish is a no for me (laughs) blackish (laughs) so of all we actually we talked about blackish not terribly long ago um, in our home, um, but of all of the uh, X-ish series, Blackish is the most tolerable of them. The mm-hmm. rest of them, they know from me, dog. No, 
I can't. It's all they're all just the same show, but with like characters swapped out. Like the same formulas there, and I don't even really. It's not a great formula. I, I don't know. It makes me think of um, uh, like when Hanna Barbera found oh Scooby Doo, and we're like, this kind of works. And then they made a <laughs> Jabberjaw. I mean, Jabberjaw was basically Scooby Doo, but underwater. Oh, whoa, whoa, you just unlocked something deep in my mind <laughs> that I had completely forgotten about. Whoa. What was the, was the other one? There was a, a Captain Caveman, too. That was just. Was he oh, Josie and the Pussycat, Pussycat right? I like Josie. Yeah, it was Captain Caveman and the Teen Angels. And the Teen Yeah, Angels. it's like this caveman and like some hot women who were going around playing gay, not playing games, playing in a band. And it's like, and I guess the dichotomy is supposed to be like, <laughs> look at this ugly caveman. What is he doing around all of these stereotypically attractive women? Playing music? Huh, getting into wacky adventures. Why does the caveman look <laughs> like Cousin It? Right? <laughs> That's a really show because I've seen, I've seen, I never watched it, but I've seen this little character before. And so I'm like, I don't even think it, it was. It probably funny. wasn't. It probably wasn't. <laughs> I just remember it being on and me not. <laughs> Airlines or what? <laughs> <laughs> Probably like you know some sort of uh, um, um, uh, mesmerism. Mesmer- <laughs> mesmerism. <laughs> Halloween costume. I should, a Halloween costume. I, there's a part of me that wants to just send it to y'all right now. <laughs> do it. Do it. Do it. God. I think what you were saying about I'm st- I just sent it, <laughs> but um, <laughs> this is good. <laughs> for, for the listeners, we'll we'll link it on Twitter. <laughs> you can laugh at it too. Uh, but I think what you're saying about like uh, blackish. So there's blackish, there's grownish, there's mixes, mix mixedish. Uh, yeah, there's youngish. I think there's what? what it's about yeah. like the it's about the daughter. I think. Diane? I think so. Why everybody getting me? Yeah, I'm getting along on set. That's what I'm saying. It's too much. <laughs> I'm done with it. But you know, okay, something uh, we had talked about when we talked about um, blackish before, and you know, Marcellus came to the realization that it was not meant for black people. ABC had like there's a I don't I haven't watched like their primetime lineup in a in a long time because I typically don't watch um what's on TV um like uh, the new programming I I watch old <laughs> watch old stuff <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but there was a period where they had it was like they were all family dramas or dramedies family dramedy mm-hmm. And like they were just interchanging the races of the families because they had um, they had fresh <laughs> off the boat, which was based off of Eddie Wong's Eddie Wong's life, yeah, based yeah, off yeah. his like memoir or something like that. And he and he wasn't really involved with the show because they had changed it like completely. so much, or you know did something that you know he he didn't like how they took creative license with the show, um, mm-hmm. and I think that. I can't, it has something, I know one of the things had to do with the grandmother 
um, but I can't remember. Like the grandmother only would speak in Chinese, but like they weren't putting, I don't know. So it was something like they had messed something up and she was not happy. But basically it was all the same stuff, right? You have this family yeah. and they're, this family of color, they're going through things. I mean, the shows really did parallel a lot with each other. There were some other ones that they had. I think they were trying to bring the Connors into that mix as well. Like, oh, you're, you're a white American Ooh. family, white working class American family. But, you know, mm. I mean, it's back on TV. Um, Roseanne is also back in season <clears throat> two. Like, that. Really? It's just, Roseanne's back? back? After six months of after that ambient tweeting that she alleges, ambient tweeting. <laughs> came back after six months on TV land because I remember waking up in the morning I'm like why is Roseanne on okay I thought they canceled her but okay she's still here that's wild cancel culture doesn't exist because that happens right it's it's very it's a temporary kind of thing like you just let stuff die down and people will go on to the next thing that like enrages them right exactly I just can't remember the last time an ambient made me dress up like what? Hitler. Did she dress up like Hitler? Do you? There's a picture of her just as Hitler as like a bit with cookies that look like um, uh, Jewish people at, on a cookie tray burnt coming out of an oven. I have to Google this now. Oh my God. I If you... Google it and oh you will find God. what I am what talking about. How did this happen? This when did this happen? Was. What was this for? It was in the. It was in the. I don't know when they when they took the photo, but it got brought up in the midst of her doing all that weird tweeting and all this other stuff. It was like one of the many reasons what? Uh, the network responded because it, it was like so you literally crass. cannot defend that. And like, isn't Rose Rose? Isn't Rose Jewish? She really tried. Is it she not? I, I, I cannot are. remember. Um, I think that might have been part of her defense. I can't, I can't be anti-Semitic. I'm Jewish. <laughs> and there was just a bunch of people who were like, "Ma'am, exactly. why did you do any of this? <laughs> you you want a family network? Uh, she <laughs> is Jewish, or at the very least, was raised in a Jewish family." Mm-hmm. Oh man, but what a time! Because that I, I remember finding those pictures right when she was doing all her like uh, uh, weird uh, tweeting. So, so lucky, so Roseanne. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as we detour, we detour a lot on this show. I'm sure you've heard that, Kendrick. Oh yes, I have. It's and it's fine. It makes for great podcasting. Um, oh, I I 100 agree. <laughs> Um, but you were saying, like, you were talking about um, having the story, the, the, you gravitate, gravitate towards more towards TV and movies when you think of black media. I think I, I agree. This, I think about, particularly growing up in the 90s, a lot, a majority of the media I consumed was black, like, television was black television because it was like Martin was on, Moesha, oh, yeah. um, the Parkers, mm. um, all of us. I think was it all of us? I think one with Lisa uh, Bay yeah. and Dwayne Martin, and they had the little cute little boy, and like it's a blended family situation. Um, half and half, all these, all these really like 
these black shows. Girlfriends, Girlfriends is on Netflix. Oh my gosh, I'm so like. <laughs> I'm watching it now because like they're so young and they're so little. Like they look like little twenty. I mean, they were playing like twenty something. They were like twenty something making the show, and that's like their age they're in on the show as well. But like looking at looking like at them now at like me at thirty two, looking at them, it's like oh my god, they're so young, they're so little. And like, oh my goodness! And like, yes, like Lynn has a very like a baby face. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't. Um, (laughs) But I think for me, it's mostly television, like the shows that I grew up when I think about black media. But I also think about music too, and the influence of like music videos. Oh yeah, and like um, BET, like being so like prevalent in my youth, like watching like Cedar's World and like Rhapsody, The Basement. Um, I'm trying to think what else was I watching? 106 and Park, back when AJ and Free were on there, not when uh, the originals originals. (laughs) were on there. I liked it then. So like all, I think about all of that and like how people, like the artists would come and like try to stunt on 106 and Park, like all, it was basically this, all of this response to like MTV not wanting to make space for for black artistry on their on their platform. Because I mean, originally, you know, MTV, their, their market demographic, which has not changed, has always been young white men between the ages of like, what, like 16 and like 25. Like that's- That tracks. That's, that's who they're trying, that's who they're targeting in their programming so yeah i for me black media is really it's like music and television movies sometimes because i meant like there's some of the movies like you know sometimes you see those like um those i hate those like little point those little point uh memes where like you get so many points if you've seen these movies and like some oh yeah them I haven't. No. Like, I'm like, first of all, I don't know why I'm acting like that even was a good movie, but okay. Um, <laughs> for the culture, but like not everything has to be for the culture if it's not good. Yeah. But good. That's such a, it's such a difficult um, that issue of like because it exists, we have to, mm. we have to cherish it. Um, like it's amazing. What what is it you you Jamie you said something um in the episode we did about our black people's uh real life superheroes and you were like oh, Let yeah. black people be mediocre. <laughs> um it's okay if the movie's not good. It exists. I yeah. think that should be okay. Um there's so many movies from white people that are just fine. <laughs> top five. No, no. Top five movies just... from white people that are just fine. That are just fine? Uh, can um, Let's do it. Uh, Why you got to make me do this right now? <laughs> wow. All of the X-Men movies. If I... I um, I've got one. Okay. Uh, people might disagree with me on this, but uh, Forrest Gump. Ooh! I like Forrest Gump, but it's okay. <laughs> like it's not, it's fine. fine. Like I get for the time it was like, oh my god, Forrest Gump! Ah, oh, this is amazing. But like now I'm like, okay, it was good, I guess. Like there are other movies around that time period or even before 
that I can watch and still be like, oh, wow, this is great. But like after I watch that five times, I'm like, all right, I'm done. I get it. This is cool. It's a great, it's a fun concept and very of the time. And uh, that's all I got to say about it. <laughs> great, good performances. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just but saying it's. I don't it's even really remember Forrest Gump, to be, to be honest. Exactly. So much happens in that movie because they try <laughs> to cram in like an entire decade's worth of stuff into one movie. And most of it's just references to things that happened. And that's it. That's all it is. It's just one man goes through the decade that is, what is it, the 70s? I think. Uh, the 60s? It, yeah, it's like the. Is it the 60s? Yeah. 70s. Because he, he, uh, yeah. he takes And he fights in Nam, so that has to be the 60s, I think. I mean, look, I, I didn't. I don't remember when wars were. <laughs> For history, he had to know it happened. Um, okay, so we got Forrest Gump, another one. Uh, I think Ghostbusters two. Yeah, it's is okay. Fine. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. Um, I don't remember. Really I watched it recently. Like I want to say I watched it this year, and I still don't remember what happened in that movie. Something about the baby the, possessed. Yeah, there's like a giant marshmallow man. It's the. Or is it the mission? No, Wait, that's what? the first one. It's the painting. There's a painting. Oh, yes. To, um, and it's like the sewers involved. Um, and people are like getting full of hate yeah. and stuff like I, that. There's like a thing in a courtroom, uh, like, I think. Oh, this... oh yeah. They, yeah, there's like... There's they a, took them to court or something? Okay. I, don't I don't remember. So, I would say... Well, all Wes Anderson movies <laughs> are just okay. Some of them, some of them are charming. Or they're like, I've they're never nice seen a Wes at. Anderson movie. That's fine. There are no black people in them. I figure it from the. That's the, That's yeah, exactly. From Tim Burton movies Burton also movies. have. They don't you fit. Black people don't fit his aesthetic. What can you? What can you say? What can I say? Yeah, he's yeah, I know. Said it out loud, <laughs> though. It's like, it's like. At what point, like, how are you going to make an aesthetic and just be like, this group of people just don't fit? What about that group of people don't fit in pastels? You're telling me black people don't look good in pastel? Because that's wrong. First of all, Marticia Adams just, you know, totally dissed pastels in Adams Family's values. So, you know. They're so overplayed. They're overplayed. She was like... Every every uh, period. Piece. Whoa, okay. Ooh, every there's some period pieces I like though. Every period piece where there is not a black. Hold on, I have to Google a- something <laughs> real quick. Got to got to defend his I have never in my life watched a period piece that has no black people or people of color in it and been like, I'm enjoying myself. I've always been like. I don't know. Okay, what my I, okay, I will refute. It's gonna be because I did like Ever After with Drew Barrymore. Was- Ever After. It's like the Cinderella story, but after. like live action, but not real. Without and Leonardo da Vinci oh. is it makes her like her her costume for the ball. I do like that movie. There are no black people in that movie. That I mean, of course, I like that's the, the act, that's an actual Cinderella. 
movie. That's the only Cinderella movie I can find. <laughs> um, <laughs> that one came out the year before. I think they borrowed the story. <laughs> I really and. Marcellus, you know this. I love Amadeus. It's one of my favorite movies. There are no, there are no black people it in it, and that's quite movie. sad. Is Amadeus um, about Beethoven? Yeah. Well, yes, it is. And there's um, a black person in that. Uh, about about. I'm sorry. No, not Beethoven. It's about um, Mozart. Mozart. And it's about Mozart, but more specifically, it's about Antonio Salieri, who acts as like kind of a mentor to him, but also as a rival, and about how Salieri killed uh, Mozart. Oh. It's super cool. What do you black. mean Mozart's what whack? What if he was black? Beethoven or Mozart? Was it Mozart or no, Mozart oh, oh, was oh. black? I don't remember. I've I I uh, I've heard it's Mozart, but I'm I don't know enough to say. Mozart was um, uh, looking at all the the text that's written about him and descriptors and other things. This is the way he's also sometimes interactive with in history. He was um, there's a really high chance. A lot of there was a bunch of people. There was a bunch. Interesting. I mean, Alexander um, Pushkin. There was this uh, Russian writer, Mm -hmm. black. Mm. Um, Alexander Dumas, of course. We all know he was Count Count of Monte Cristo. Um, yes, but come shout out to the. I learned about. I learned. I learned that he was black while watching while we were watching uh, Lovecraft. Actually, really. Yeah, I didn't know. <laughs> Welcome to the inner circle. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I think another period piece that I like there are no black people in it is the other Boleyn girl because that was a mess and it was all like. King Henry, because you know King Henry VIII killed all his wives because for whatever reasons he divorced them, beheaded them, whatever, and like mm-hmm. just just because he could because. and like you know got rid of his first wife because the Pope wouldn't let and like the Pope wouldn't let him um, divorce her, so he finds his own church. It was just so much drama. I like when I like period pieces with white people when there's a bunch of drama and they're all screwing each other over, like and it's usually like those royal kind of things like that. Um, oh yeah, but you can't tell yeah, me there weren't yeah. any like black people in the Spanish court in that time period. Like, oh yeah, for sure. Because in Spain, I mean, I don't think I've talked about my fascination with the Moors on this podcast yet. But the fact that you have a group of people from North Africa in the Arabian Peninsula and even Sub-Saharan Africa who dominated mm. Spain for like seven hundred years. You can't tell me that doesn't change the face of an entire peninsula. Like you can't exactly. You can't tell me it doesn't. You can't. It one hundred percent does. Exactly. I mean, we see that here in the Americas. Americas as this colonized space has only been for what, like the past maybe like five hundred weeks. <laughs> weeks. <laughs> <laughs> At minimum, at minimum weeks, (laughs) but you know, we see that we see the racial mixing more in other parts of the Americas. Not, I mean, not so it took a while. I mean, it was happening in the U.S., but they wanted to pretend like it wasn't because it was against the law, right? But all that to say is that in the other Boleyn girl, Catherine of Aragon, who was like from somewhere in Spain, like they could have had her like 
you know, a couple of like Moorish uh, ladies in waiting, you know, something or some mm-hmm. courtiers who were who were black. Like you can't tell me they weren't there. They were there. I'm sure they were, right? Right. But I still like that movie because they was going back and forth over who gets to be the king's favorite, and like if this one displeases me, he just like go get the sister. So <laughs> I was. Like, <laughs> I'm convinced that um, a lot of the times those period pieces uh, get so much, you know, money, or they get the funding, or they get the the the, the support because Ooh. there aren't any really any, um, darker people in them, right? Because like, who who's who's gonna green light, you know, films that feature um, feature I mean, us, or who's gonna distribute do, those stories? And if they do, it's always something with slavery. So there's um, mm-hmm. there's like Amistad, right? Like that, it's going to be something like that. Yeah, you have the very rare case of Bell, where Gugu Mbatha-Raw played Dido Elizabeth um, Lindsay Bell. I can't. I'm miss. I'm messing that name up. But basically, her father was like a white um, sailor or high officer in the British um, court. Her mother dies. He takes her in, and she's she's mulatto. And like she's raised as like a little rich girl, like she doesn't have to like struggle or anything. But they are very hyper aware of her color, and she's really she's rich, basically. Like she's gonna be a wealthy woman, but it's whether who she can marry. Mm-hmm. Her options are kind of limited because she's black and in high society because other people don't want to mix with her. And so, you know, you have that particular movie, which is, I think, is interesting and proves further that, you know, there were, like, there were Black, there were black people in the courts and in Europe in different, you know, capacities. Yeah. Um, so I would be interested to see more films like that. Um, but I know that movie got off what, what did you say? That I was talking like over you. No, sorry, I was just saying like the delve into yeah, like Yeah, I mean, more, more who is it? It's some um it's some publishing company. My friend just sent me the link to it yesterday. Hey Brittany, Brittany listens to the podcast on her walks. Hi Brittany. <laughs> For the one time. <laughs> um, but she sent me this link to the book, these these art art history books, art history books. Um, the image of the black in Western art. And it's literally called the image of the black in Western art. And it's a there's like a huge series. It's probably like 20 volumes of it. And it's all like black people in European arts throughout, like from like the 1400, like maybe even the 1200s, maybe. Mm. That is like they're the volumes are that thick and it has that many different um references to art where black people are present in the art whether they're the main subject or not you know that varies sometimes it's like a like a close-up of a of a picture which a black person is kind of like in the background but mm-hmm. yeah like someone could be, hanging out in the corner look people need to be more imaginative someone could take one of those books look through it and like oh this statue is interesting you can make a whole movie about that statue like, why not? But you know, right. people want to be boring and just, you know, have stuff that's just given to them or whatever, I guess. I don't know. So. Have, have <laughs> either of you seen the Hulu show The Great? No. 
That's what about Catholic so, parade, right? No. Yes. There are black and brown people sprinkled in uh, as like members of the court, as like uh, as like foreign like dignitaries and like even just like soldiers. So it's like it's like the it's like one of the few uh, like um uh god i can't think of the word <laughs> um period pieces thank you i don't know why i can think of that yeah it's like one of the few period pieces that i can think of that just has like casually has black and brown people in it and it's like not even like a big deal it's just like yeah that's one of the nobles that is in court that deals with alexander and stuff you know why? Because it's set in Russia, probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, whatever for whatever reason, like Western Europe, Europe, and like, not for whatever reason, but like Western Europe, they have some kind of funky relationship with with Russia. Even our own country has funky relationships with Russia that don't quite make sense. Um, oh yeah. But. Yeah, Russia's Russia's in, an interesting place in in that there are it's much more diverse than what people think it is, and it starts from way back. Like I guess to what you're talking about with um, Catherine the Great and her her particular um, court. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, because a lot of because yeah, I I think the history of Russia is very interesting in that it spent the vast majority of its time un like unbothered by everything that was happening everywhere just because it's so isolated like to get to it from you know uh western europe and like what we like north and central europe you have to like cross like a bunch of mountains and it's mostly like just it's 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 like land that's super hard to travel across both from yeah <laughs> no buses no, no bus planes ride. And like, and <laughs> and then also tied in with like the more like isolationist like countries to its south as well. Like it spent the vast majority of its time not being bothered, not knowing what's going on with everyone else. And then soon as that opened, they were like, oh, let's just take in a bunch of stuff from everywhere yeah. and then have our own internal battle of is this Russian or should we, you know, whatever. Uh, no, but that, that's a really good point. And like um, me and Marcellus were in a photo art history class. We've mentioned this class again. Hi, Dorota. Um, <laughs> shout out to Dorota. <laughs> one Everyone only gets one shout out. This is her second shout out. You, you, you we shot oh. before. <laughs> I okay. just say for the one time so it feels special. But um, in Dorota's uh, art history class for photo art history, we talked about Russian photography and after the, the revolution, like how you know, they're trying to define for themselves their own art and what that is because it's been, it was so many years of like Western mm-hmm. European, like having Western Europeans influence their art and like, this is what art should be. And mm-hmm. so after they got rid of the czar and all of that, they're like, okay, well, what do we, what do we say is Russian? So yeah, you're, to your point, yes, that, that makes sense that, you know, they were doing that. Um, I also would like to say I know that there were no bus routes on the Silk Road. That was a joke. Um, just, oh. not, not a Porsche moment in Real Housewives <laughs> of Atlanta where she thought the Underground Railroad was an actual um, railroad station. Oh, no. You didn't know. Oh, no. Wait, what? 
<laughs> oh my god! Oh, I think I think that this is a good segue into more of black media and how black people are thriving for the worst or best on um how particularly vh1 uh is making a boatload vh1 and bravo um maybe not so much bravo i would say vh1 make a lot of money on black people um in in reality tv in that particular media outlet like love and hip-hop um Mm -hmm. basketball wise um, I don't watch a lot of these shows. I used to watch Love and Hip Hop Hollywood when it first came on. That's the one where Ray J was on it. Yeah, that boy. Oh, um, that boy. But then I stopped because I was like, I stopped caring. Um, Real Housewives of Atlanta. All of these, all these like reality TV shows. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm curious as to y'all. St- do you, first of all, do y'all even watch reality TV? I briefly got into reality TV like mid last year, uh, mostly in the mostly in the form of The Bachelor. Uh, wow, so, <laughs> yes, I love The Bachelor unapologetically. Oh my gosh! It's so ridiculous. <laughs> I just I'm a big fan of I think what I enjoy the most about watching reality TV. Um, in general, comes from a more um, filmmaking point of view, or I should say, more producer point of view, mm-hmm. where you know you have to at, at a certain point you have to realize and accept there are the basically everything that you see within reality TV is uh, is fake, and it is uh, it is uh, what's the word created by the producers to stir drama mm-hmm. within the set characters that they have. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's all artificial. Mm-hmm. And so my it's favorite thing about The Bachelor is, you know, that first night, all the girls come in or all the guys come in and they're all talking. And my mind is, which one of these is the producer plant who's just here uh-huh. to, to cause drama, to start doing stuff? And also, like, watching, like, the editing for it is so good. Like, <laughs> uh, I could go on and on and on about how much I love the editing in reality TV. Because those people are so good at their jobs. <laughs> they are masters at causing the most amount of drama <laughs> over the smallest thing. And it is like, they get a bang for their buck. Someone can say one off thing and that's an entire episode's worth of drama for them. They are so good at it. And they and call it out until the next episode too. Like Exactly. They're so good at it. And part of me, part of me would be like, if I ever had the chance and I ever had the skill, I would want to produce one season of a reality TV show just to, just because I think it would be so, because it's still just like another form of storytelling, but in like such a, and almost like a what, like a chess game sort of way, where it's knowing the right combination of people, like it's seeing the people that you have in front of you, seeing the situation and knowing what pieces, what people need to be with what other group of people mm-hmm. and in what situation to make the maximum amount of effect that's going to give us, you know, episodes worth of content. 
And it just seems like it would be so much fun, but also incredibly cruel. You have to be like, they're sadists. They are, they're completely. It's like unethical. Yeah. It's like, (laughs) it's, it, it very much feels like how psychology had to go through its thing (laughs) in like the seventies and eighties where everyone was like, Oh, we can experiment on stuff. And then everyone went, "Mm, I'm going to be as unethical as possible. And then we're like, ah, that's really screwing with people's heads though. And like harming them forever. We shouldn't do that. They're like, okay, we won't do it for science, (laughs) but we'll do it for entertainment. And that's reality TV now. Like I could, like you could absolutely God. pitch the Stanford experiment as a reality TV show, and it, people would watch it. Absolutely, that's yeah. Like, I think that's what we already right? have. In oh yeah, in some in like some twisted way, they already have. Um, yeah, well, they just took it and named it something else, right? I um I remember the birth of reality TV, and it. it like mainstream reality TV was so the show Survivor. Um, yes. Like there was this summer that I remember like all the writers yeah. in Hollywood were on a strike. And it was like, it was maybe around the year 1999, 2000, 2001. And I remember seeing, I remember seeing the like um, commercials for Survivor and me and my grandma, we were like, what is this show? We were watching the first episode. We we're like, "What is this? Is this people on an island and they have to like, like make it? Like, what is like why? What? What? Is- <laughs> so confused because there's like no new television coming on because all the writers were like, "We're not doing anything." I forgot why mm-hmm. striking, whatever. Who knows? There's lots of things to be mad about in Hollywood. The writers strike all the time, so it's very hard to keep up with what strike is about. What? Right. So. But I, I remember the birth of it and like it was like Big Brother and Survivor. Of course, you know, MTV had the real world. I think maybe prior to all of those two things, but like that was on cable. That was and at that particular time period, not everybody had cable. Like cable was still kind of a little bit of a luxury. Um, but so for like a broad like for CBS or yeah, I think it was CBS to have an ABC to have shows like Big Brother and um and um oh survivor i think it was it was a big deal to see that um but yeah what if you had a reality show i'm really like caught on this now kendrick what do you have like an uh, idea for a show like already <laughs> that you want to pitch or no oh um uh if i uh, if okay if i had a reality show what would it be about I feel like I would do like Dungeons and Dragons. I would just do, I would do Dungeons and Dragons, but a reality TV show. I would choose the most ill-fitting group of people, (laughs) have them play Dungeons and Dragons, and then have like talking heads of people complaining about the game. Um, (laughs) About being like, oh, I hate them. They never heal me anytime I ask. It's like, what, what are you doing with all those spell slots? I'm saving the spell slots. What if we need them later? Well, I, what, I'm dying here. I have two failed. I get. I have two failed death saves. Just have to make it. You know, what you're making me think of. You're making me think of. Like, yes, if, exactly. That's exactly. The guild was with Felicia Day. <laughs> do, do, Jamie, did you ever in, encounter the that the show? Yeah, was, it had to be. What was, was it about? I don't think I know I think. what this is. It was like a group of nerds who played an MMO online, and they were all part of a guild, 
And then one of them and like, but none of them like knew each other in real life. And then one of them like mistakes, like Felicia Day's like characters, like uh, they like get married in the game. And, but she's like, it's just a game. And he's like, but you married me. Uh, And then he meets her in real life. And then uh, it's like all of them eventually meet each other in real life and like drama goes back and forth, but they're still trying to be a happy guild and such. Um, It's fun. It's okay. It's fine. (laughs) That's how I feel about most things that have Felicia Day. It's fine. I don't know who Felicia Day is. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but now I gotta Good figure out who she I is. Think that I think that's diversity it's, of me. She's not like bad. Yeah, she's like the stereotypical now, like uh, white she, nerd girl. I have no clue who she really is. Never seen her. Yeah. Never seen her. I've always confused her with the redheaded lady on. Um, oh, that's fair. Uh, Han- 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 from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I know that because I've been watching Buffy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't watch How I Met Your Mother because that doesn't. Really, that doesn't yeah, no, same. <laughs> Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I'm all on that. Um, this show, The Gill, reminds me of the episode of Black Mirror called Striking Vipers. I don't know if you guys watched that episode. Ooh, yes. It was. Did you, oh. <laughs> it's it's quite an episode. I don't know how to feel about that. Like I well actually. I think I feel good about the end because it's consensual by the end. So that's where I'm like, okay, cool. So um, those of you who haven't watched that episode, and I think by now people know, just skip around, you know, Black Mirror and watch the recommended episodes. You can go watch all the other ones. Um, but <laughs> Highs and lows, highs and lows. Right. Um, <laughs> Anthony Mackie and um, yeah, yeah. I can't. I feel like I'm gonna say his name wrong. Bless his, bless my, bless my soul. I'm sorry. Um, his name is Yaya. It's Yaya Abdul Mateen. Um, they're they're best friends and like they play this game. They they like went to college together and like they both get married and like one of them gets divorced and like they meet up again like some years later for a birthday. And one of the friends gives them this, this game called Striking Vipers that they used to play that now it's like evolved into this thing where um, you are like, it's, you're like immersed. Yeah, it's like a virtual reality in the game. You can feel virtual everything, reality, you can right? touch things. And in the game, so they're both men and in the, and they're for what we know are straight men in, in IRL, but in the game, they begin having like a sexual relationship in the game and it's like it's wild because like they're at first kind of like avoid like avoiding avoiding yeah because anthony mackie's married in it yes he yeah his like he's like he hides the relationship from his wife uh and like after the first time they do it, the the two like Yaya is like, "Hey, we need to talk about this." And Anthony's like, "Nope, not talking about it. Didn't happen." <laughs> and like tries to avoid it. Right. It's like, no, dude. <laughs> it's like, no, dude. We we had I'm not we, a gamer. We, we had intercourse. You can't just you can't ignore that. Yeah, it's wild. I really enjoyed it. I watched it. I mean, I watched it because Fola Evans Akimbola was in it, but she's only in it like briefly. As um, 
as Yaya's um, girlfriend, the his like younger mm-hmm. girlfriend who's like not really present. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> That show that y'all were describing it reminds me a lot of that particular episode of like being in virtual reality and like you have this whole separate life and in there that you can like fully be yourself and then out in the world, it's like a whole nother story. Definitely. Yeah. Because Guild started Gosh. around the time, it was like around the time, it was like very early. Not sorry, not very early. It's like mid YouTube around the time like web series start becoming a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like two thousand six. Yeah, and then it found its way onto Netflix. Maybe maybe a little uh, earlier. For a bit. I don't think it's still there though. Because it's also, I think it's also oh, no, no, either it's before <laughs> or like right before the rise of Nerdist. Because if I remember correctly. Uh, Felicia Day was a host on Nerdist for a bit, um, and that and the guild being one of the big things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm like googling the show. I've never seen this show. It looks like something that would be on the Sci-Fi um, Channel, though. It does. Yeah, it's very much something. Yeah. Oh, oh, there's some good Sci-Fi Channel, <laughs> yeah. old Sci-Fi <laughs> channels, though. I mean, not channels, uh, shows like Alphas. If either of you watch that, it's like. Like X Men oh, yeah, uh, meet CSI or something. No, I'm thinking of a RPG. Never mind. But still, X Men. That part was true. Alpha Alpha was was good. No, that was it. It did, it did have that sort of. And again, going going back to some of like, there's all these shows that's like uh, when when we think of like some of the peaks of of like TV entertainment and. I I get a little pressed when I'm like <laughs> beyond like the 80s and 90s why is there like a sudden mm-hmm. dip of like black media and then now now I mean we're getting it back a little bit now but I <laughs> don't want to just be like all right but well, no but we do have some good ones though other than that more <laughs> sincere than blackish I feel yeah and we already more, determined more that for, blackish for sure. is not for but us. Like, like we've, we've talked about this on the show. We're blackish? Because Atlanta came out uh what year? Oh Atlanta. Oh uh, um, no, uh Atlanta it was, the, uh, the, the FX series. Uh it was twenty what was this? Twenty sixteen. Yeah, which makes sense because yeah. it's been out of production for so long, and it, it took them a long time to get to season two. Season mm-hmm. three, I mean, of course, is delayed. It was already delayed prior to COVID, but <laughs> but now, right? Now, really, that's why Blackish came out in twenty fourteen. I mean, mm-hmm. that's good for them that they did on TV I mean? so it's like that six long, years though. ago. Nice steady check. That is, yeah. True, true. Anthony Anderson has been uh, get, yeah. getting those uh, yeah, uh, get that sitcom, um, sitcom checks. So there's been like, I was thinking about um, Tyler Perry. When we're thinking about, when we're talking about like, oh, uh, oh, 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 <laughs> the pain nerve. of Tyler. I, I, I hit a nerve. Um, 
Tyler Perry. We're going. We're going. We're going. To, we're going to work it out. Um, when you were talking about it dropping off, right? So I, I mentioned like in the '90s, there was all these black television shows, Fresh Prince, all of this stuff. We were all consuming this media, and then somewhere around the 2000s, it does kind of fall off. And I think you know, in the 2000s is when you see the rise of, of Tyler Perry, and it starts with those stage plays where mm-hmm. you know, people had like the DVDs to the plays. Yeah. Um, you would go see them. It would be people like, rec- I remember in high school, people reciting stuff in the play and I hadn't seen it, Tyler Perry. Like I hadn't seen Medea yet. Um, and I think the first movie, Diary of, a Mad- Diary of a Mad Black Woman comes out in 2005, yes. Um, 2005. <laughs> <laughs> do that off the, off the top of your head that. too. <laughs> I don't have uh, realistic knowledge in my, oh my brain. God. I have things that. But I, I guess I think about like, like different black creators and what the content they put out into the world. And like, there was this whole thing a while back talking about how Tyler Perry had written like some some movie in like five days, and it was like this really thick book, and people were like so impressed. And then there were people, but, uh, people who were who were like, like I guess I think that was Kendrick who groaned, um, who were yeah. <laughs> who were very much like Kendrick and were just like, you took five days. I know that I know that movie is horrible. I know it is, right? It's so it's yes. Oh my, <laughs> he take he was oh my god, and he does this thing. He. Tyler Perry is one of these one of one of these types of people that like really harp on like the idea of black excellence uh. and like really and are and are very much like you know we can do whatever the you know we can do whatever we want like you know you you put your mind to it you can do it we can rise above like all like the hate and like oppression and like like look at me I'm putting in the work I'm writing four scripts a year you're writing four scripts a year my dude are you taking any time at all are you thinking it through any like and if you watch his movies they feel like they were written in five days like they're not good they're not well thought through and he like he's just rushing through stuff and yeah he's making content but at the end of the day is it worth the like the quality dip because of the fact that he's just rushing through all of this production all i know is the wigs be bad their wigs are so bad (laughs) <laughs> the wigs are so bad. He's still using the wigs from the play. It and but have you noticed though? Oh, of course, his wig, wig is not never his wig is or even never he's bad. like playing him like himself like as a man. His wigs aren't aren't bad. He makes sure he looks good, but he be he be using them little Kanekalon uh whatever Yokohana whoever wigs from Beauty Supply down the street. That's like ten dollars, and it's that shiny, shiny hair. Like, th- there are too many YouTube beauty gurus on TV uh, on YouTube telling you how to lay a wig for anybody to be walking around like that. Like, the little girls right. are laying wigs and dyeing them, and they sinks for no for no good reason <laughs> for people to look like that. <laughs> and it's because he doesn't hire a makeup department. He expects everyone to do their own makeup. See, he's cutting quarters. See, this is the thing. This is the exactly. Question. This is a, this is an issue that I have, right? So when we talk about black excellence and people like, if you should become an entrepreneur, and I think I maybe said this once on the podcast before, 
is that if you are wanting to become your own boss, right, at some point you're going to start exploiting other people and you're just continuing this cycle that you didn't want, you you just didn't want to be at the bottom of, of, the, of the totem pole. You wanted to be at the top, right? You didn't like mm-hmm. to be exploited. You didn't want to do anything about the situation of people being mm. exploited. You just knew that you were, you didn't want to be amongst them. And so having these actors do their own hair and makeup, that, I mean, that's additional labor, right? That, right. that they're not getting paid for. They're not getting paid for, right? So when you're, you're talking about your Black excellence, you're not doing everything five-star. You're like cutting corners, you're doing this, all for the sake of like being able to put content out there. And some of it, some of it's not that great. Like it's, it's a lot of it's not that great. I mean, my mom loves the plays, loves Medea, right? Because Medea, Medea is like a character, like she's got a gun, she's somebody's grandma. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a bunch. And but honestly, there are a bunch of real life grandmas in the South with guns who are much more compelling. Oh yeah. I know. Oh yeah. I know it in my soul. I know it. Right. (laughs) Um, and uh, Medea is this kind of mishmash of all those different women, but the, just, I, I, I think it just says something that like the storytelling that feels like it it could, it could be for black people. And at some point, I think the plays, you know, keep keep that sort of like, Oh, it's like, it's for us or it's telling a story of of, like a vignette turn and it turning into like that, that Dave Chappelle moment of like, wait a minute. Yeah. A lot of white people are laughing. What's going on. And like the, you know, uh, it makes me think of, there's a quote in, in this book I'm reading, um, uh for, for for working on my thesis uh it's it's from the book um the african image in film um framing blackness uh and um the, the author uh, uh i'm gonna butcher his name uh guero but i butchered it um he said once oh. many plantations grew cotton today some grow movies and i just i don't know i just feel like there's so many things he does just because he knows he can maximize the universal consumption of his product. Um, even if like uh, black folks are like, that looks. Mm-hmm. There are some black people who, or who that's adore everything he does, right? And so there, this is where we get into subjectivity of like, what is black art and what is acceptable, right? Um, I was talking, like I mentioned before, I was in a group chat with some other mm. artists who are, who are all like pe- people of color. Mostly all of them are black identifying, but we were talking about black art. And one of them um, was on the, one of them. I mean, just full disclosure. One of them was Irene who we've had on the show before. I love talking to Irene about art because she has a lot of opinions and uh, sensational. she's really thought about a lot of, a lot of the stuff in it, a lot of, you know, how race and all this stuff plays into the arts but we were talking about like what is black art and like how our individual practices, even though we are black artists, our work is dealing with black um, subjectivity. Um, mm-hmm. Our work, um, you know, like, but our work isn't quote unquote black art. And black art has a particular look and feel to it that we've all kind of. Um, I don't want to say we've all kind of accepted, but like there's this kind of, there's this view, like it's things like when I think of black art, I think of like those paintings of like black love, 
or black, yeah, black love or um, a black fist, things like that. I think we mentioned a black fist, fist in the group chat. Um, things like things like things that are kind of like sur surface level black black things. Mm -hmm. I yeah, thank you, thank you. Look at you using the college words. I love like iconography it. of boys' <laughs> culture. Uh, yes, kind of iconographies <laughs> of of blackness, and not necessarily, um, you know, what I think what I'm doing, what Irene are both doing. We're dealing with our own like black families and so that's going to look really different and unrecognizable i think to some people who aren't aren't black which for those of you who are not necessarily in the arts and you're if you know dealing with institutions and curators majority of them are not i mean of course none of them are not are not black people but they have in their mind what they expect black art to be and what they're expecting you to make work about and that's when you get the Kara Walkers of the world who make these very grandiose statements about race or things that point at race don't necessarily say anything about them. Um, and I'm thinking particularly about her, her sugar baby that was in the Domino Sugar Factory, that, that huge like sphinx that had the face of a mammy. And then she had like the little children who are like in the molasses heart, like some kind of heart in molasses who are like little kids who would have worked in the sugar um, factory um, you have things like that where people are like yes that is black art that is that is the art we expect of black people it it deals with like these these iconographies that um, are familiar I think to white audiences um, which is you know I don't know I I, I have I, I definitely feel like that extends out into cinema as well when we, I think about like the Friday movies Right, like the first one um, oh, that and I think John Singleton directed Friday. I think he did. I may let you know, let's just Google to be sure. <laughs> um, I want to. He did. Boys in the Hood is a good movie. John no, John Singleton directed Boys in the Hood. F. Gary Gray, F. Gary Gray directed. And I think um, because of Boys, should have known better. Um, okay, should. I am so sorry, um, John Singleton. Um, he, he, he passed away not too long ago. Um, John Singleton. Um, but he so, did, Director Gray, uh, Director Friday. The first Friday movie, you get like it's comedy, but it's also like there's a little bit of drama as well. But they kind of progress into becoming even sillier and sillier until even like when we get to like Friday, it's like next Friday where they're in the suburbs. And that one, it still has some of the same kind of seriousness that the first one has. But then when we get to the third one, I think that's when it just like goes like, it, not that it jumped the shark, it kind of jumped. <laughs> <laughs> well, cause Ice Cube and DJ Pooh uh, wrote the first one. And so it was mm. like, it was still so who wrote them. See, now this, this is where things matter. So next Friday was written by who? <laughs> and it's a different director. The director is Steve Carr, whoever Steve Carr is. Um, I can look that up really quick. Enhance. <laughs> I'm hacking into the mainframe. To find uh, out oh, 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 Steve Carr is the director <laughs> of Paul Blart Mall Cop. So 
That explains a lot, right? <laughs> That's wild. A lot. Um, and then the director for Friday God. After Next is Marcus Raboy. Um, and if you type in Friday After Next, it pulls up all these these other black films. Oh, man. Um, like Friday. Whoa. What about Friday After Ice Next? Cube also, DJ Pooh and Ice Cube also wrote I Next I think it Friday. was just Ice Cube. Um, I'm looking it up now. He like look, people want he, he, man cute. Ice Cube is very doing, smart. But... Like he knows how to Oh, okay. Oh, DJ but, Pooh so they really Ice Cube I, it was like they really Friday just amplified next. the things that made the other movies funny and just brought that into Friday after next. Um but as you if you type that into yeah. Google, other movies that pop up are like how high. With Red Man, Trading Places, which I've never seen. That's with Eddie Murphy and <laughs> yeah. Dan Aykroyd. I've never seen it. Um, I think. Sorry, oh, not to uh, just to backtrack a little bit. I think what's really interesting is that the first Friday is directed by a black man, and then the next two fri- movies in the series are both directed by white men. Mm-hmm. Yep. That is, you know, that is something to, you know, put your glasses down to and look, you know, look over the rim of your glasses at. Um, right. <laughs> like I, I think that like, yeah, I think I think something about that change in tone and like and uh, perspective of it, like kind of getting more and more silly mm-hmm. could be it could be, you know, the idea that, you know, movie Friday comes out. People love it. Mm-hmm. It's great. But probably surprisingly, there are quite a few white people who they weren't expecting, you know, to to take in this content, to really enjoy this content, probably more than they thought. And then they were like, well, how do we, you know, turn, how, how, how do we uh, capitalize on this, right? Like, how do we move towards this? They bring in some white directors. It, the ideas of, you know, what Blackness is or what, like, a Black community is and how they um interact with each other now through like a kind of uh uh uh, a heightened white lens almost like caricature esque Mm -hmm. um being you know that being the next movie and let's see i'm gonna see what the difference is right so the first friday movie um what are the ratings for this IMDb 7.3 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes 78%. Uh, Metacritic 54%. Then we get to next Friday. Next Friday, IMDb 6.2. Rotten Tomatoes 22. Common Sense Media 2 out of 5. And then let's see. What is the next one? Friday uh, next. And that one, the IMDb is like 5.8 out of 10. Yeah. Right. So twenty six percent. Yeah, because I think the the because I definitely something about the Friday movie has a lot of, like as silly as it is, it it is a comedy, right? There's a lot of sincerity to it, yes. right? And you know, like uh, most of the activity of that movie is just it takes place over one day, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Friday, Friday, but like um. Most of the activity happens on that front porch. They don't really have to go anywhere other than stay on the front porch and everything just happens around them. 
right? And I think that in itself is a really interesting um, metaphor for living in a, in a neighborhood where you have a lot of activity, have things happening, right? Mm-hmm. I can't really speak to living in California and South Central because I've never lived there. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? Uh, <laughs> 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 Okay, that's a quiet California perspective, you say. <laughs> um, but yeah, but uh, yeah, I'm about to say I'm not from South Central, so I can't even. <laughs> if I if I were to stand out on my porch in Santa Clarita, I would, I would yes. have the police call. But the police, me I mean, the police. Are, you don't ever see the police on Friday, the first Friday? They they're like, we don't go there. <laughs> <laughs> they stay out of that neighborhood. But I think you know you had you said something That's really really great dance. about the first one. The sincerity of that film is is there. Like all the things that happened in that movie, like someone people have seen stuff like that before. If you're from an, an area like that, like it all feels very plausible. Some of the other stuff, you know, in the other ones is just like it's like the buffoonery is heightened, and it reminds me of when um, Good Times was. And the dad, mm-hmm. oh gosh, I can't remember James. Uh, <laughs> what, was his, what was his real name though in, in real life? Um, oh, the name of the the actor. Yes, James, uh, John uh, Amos. John Amos. Yeah, John Amos. John Amos or Amos. Uh, he he, you know, they killed him off the show, but actually, what happened is like I think he ends up leaving the show because he didn't like how they were writing JJ's character. And that they were just making him more silly over time. And like that's a thing that that happens in black media. We're like, we have there's gosh, this might be controversial, but I don't care. There's a, a lot of like buffoonery that happens. Um, mm-hmm. you know, at what expense? Nope. Like sometimes, you know, just you know, just to get a laugh, but we realize like we're not the only ones consuming this media. And then also we're not the ones always writing this media. Like, and for instance, the, the show Girlfriend, Girlfriends was written by Kelsey Grammer from Frasier. I did not know that. Yes. What? Yes. Yes. Really? What? Frasier wrote it. Frasier wrote it, but you know what? We did <laughs> Frasier? Oh, I, part of me, I so, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Personally, as a huge Cheers friend, and uh, um, friends, geez, as a huge Cheers fan, and a, and a big fan of Frasier as well, that makes a part of me that that makes me go, hmm, that's good. <laughs> that's good. I'll allow it this once, just because Kelsey Grammer. Okay, Kelsey. Like, okay. <laughs> that's hilarious. He makes like a cameo in the first season too. Like he's picking up his food. Like it's a, it's the, I think the Thanksgiving day episode, like he's picking up food at a, at a restaurant and Joan is standing there and she's like, Oh my God, you're Kelsey Grammer. And he's like, he was like, Oh, he was, he was like, I played a psychologist on TV for so long (laughs) that, you know, I actually kind of feel like I am one. Like you seem bothered about something. And they have an interaction or whatever. Um, but yes, yes, all that to say that you know sometimes the media that we cons- we consume and that we love that are these kind of classic um, films and shows that the people creating them are not um, 
are not always um, black. They're sometimes white people. And I'm not saying that white people can't write black stories, but they may not come in with the right intentions. Um, mm-hmm. Especially if you don't have black people working in the writing room. I remember on the, the show, um, this is probably the only first and last time I'm mentioning this talk show on this this podcast, The Real. Um, no. No. <laughs> um, but they sometimes they'll have a segment where something went wrong and it's like, if you just had a black person who would have checked, cleared that first, right? You would have, you could have avoided this whole thing. Cause there was like a period of time where it was like fashion houses were like intentionally making things like they would make um, like little piccaninny like socks or something or mammy shirts, whatever they were doing, right? It was racist. And they were doing it intentionally to garner attention and then you know they issue a little raggedy ass apology and then people are talking about but people are talking about this brand now and people are looking like what are they doing and on mm-hmm. the place always say you know you just need jamal the intern to clear you know you know just run that by jamal the intern they this this, per, this fictional person that they made up to like mm-hmm. he would work at whatever place and like kind of just clear like yeah black people wouldn't do that or that's a bad thing. You know, that's wild. But yeah, I I think <laughs> that you know, it's good to know who who's making or who's in control of black media because I there was a point where um, BET I think it's still BET is still not black. It's white owned. What? What? It's white owned. Yeah. What? Yeah. Like completely, like That's since wild. a since for a minute now. That's wilder. And so is I think but Essence Magazine is not black owned anymore. Yeah, Essence hasn't been black owned since maybe mm-hmm. Obama era, like the beginning of Obama. It's been a minute. Uh, there's another. There's another black company that's company. quote unquote black company. Oh, magazine. I, was, I, was I thought you were um, going to say Carol's daughter, the hair product. It might have been another magazine. <laughs> I mean, she's, it's not. It's Carol not in there no more. It's oh, Maria. Carol's daughter. She sold, she sold it. Carol. To Carol. <laughs> Carol been gone. Uh, Carol's granddaughter. It's it's hard though. There's no it like because you're right. There's all these 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 sources of of of, of media representation of like uh, things that are valued, but they're not coming necessarily from black people. Um, and the black people that want to make these things, <laughs> they're not they're not getting yeah. the, um, either the, the attention, money, support, or like access to do things. Like uh, there was um it this happened like maybe. A couple weeks ago that I, I saw it, um, there was this uh, black filmmaker in Canada who she and like eight other filmmakers um, wrote a letter to the the Canadian Office of, of uh, the Office of Canadian Heritage, I think is what it's called. Um, so it's like a diversity centered or like history sort of centered office mm-hmm. um, talking about how because in Canada you can seek funding for creative projects. Um, it's something called like I think te- uh, 
tele telefunding or tele it's a good it's a play on television i think um but she was like one of the senior filmmakers oh in, in the Ooh. in the country and that fund gives out 40 million dollars um every year and she got forty five thousand dollars for something um yeah even with her being like tippity top of the game like like some jordan peele levels of activity in terms of work in history um huh. and none of them wrote they don't even have a black screen office in canada like there's no there's no one to say hey um we're here a bunch of black <laughs> please folks let's like, make our stuff <laughs> why do you why do you not. get to have all the so Seen four. <laughs> you've seen there are, there's at least I've 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 seen four. Ah, you've seen four. There's got to be more <laughs> than I've seen four. Oh my gosh. Oh my god. I think and almost like a kind it. of um maybe a, a uh uh almost a kind of reverse of this where we see something that could be considered a black story being created by a white person that is then reclaimed and uh, recreated by black people. And Marcellus, you and I were talking about this is Lovecraft country Mm. because the book is written by a white man, but the show has been, is the show runner. She's a black woman. Misha Green. Love her. Yes. Um, I'm trying to see if there's any other prominent, Okay, J.J. Abrams is a producer. Jordan Peele. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Uh, any other recognizable producers? Uh, a lot of these are white dudes, but it's because they have money and they're like behind, like you know, X Files, Law and Order, oh, yeah. uh, um, <laughs> The Walking Dead. It's like people who have money who are into horror, um, but like showrunner you know being you know a a black woman is it's huge and being able to reclaim this story which is at its very core you know a story about a black family uh, family and not even like your stereotypical black family like black like black people who are nerds who are like incredibly intelligent who are going around spot like spouting off like science equations uh, spouting off Matt, like, like, Hippolyta not is just- so impressive. Like, she is so impressive. That episode, she goes off. There's no reason she shouldn't be working for NASA. Like, no reason at all. <laughs> like, really? Seriously. A whole ass astronaut. Seriously. A whole and it's astronaut. like seeing that, and like, because we were talking about this because we were wondering at what, like, how much of this, of what we have of Lovecraft Country was in the original book of it? Hmm. Um, because as, like, there is some like, there is some really impressive emotions that it brings out. There's some really impressive, like just moments of character development and ways that they like explore and, um, and, and present these characters where I'm like, this <laughs> couldn't have been written by a white man. I'm not saying he's not talented, but there is like in that episode with Hippolyta, there's like that one moment where I was like, there's no way a, a white man wrote that. There's no way a white man wrote that. A black woman wrote this. And 
um, and we looked it up, and apparently, uh, it's like the episode before that episode is around where the book stops. Yeah. Um, and uh, but they kept in like a lot of the major like beats and like story moments and character bits, uh, and kind of they were like we had a really good base. We worked with it, try to change uh, parts of it and extend it um, to make it you know more of our own, but like a very strangely solid base written by a, a white man about this black family that's incredibly compelling that is you know they like i feel like this is the first time i'm seeing characters like this that look like me that are as complex and like everything isn't just about you know gang violence sex drugs you know like it feels yeah, exactly. Slavery, right? Mm -hmm. It feels like this is a new type of story Slavery. that still feels very sincerely Black, and I think yeah. that's super cool. I, I agree with those sentiments. I think that a lot of our narratives get kind of stuck in these, um, in the, you know, I keep, I keep, you know, watch, watch I end up at some point in my life living on the East Coast. Just watch. <laughs> <laughs> but um our our stories often get told um as being like I should see you know the east this kind of inner city New York or um mm -hmm. you know, Chicago gun and even the Lovecraft country takes place in Chicago. It's a different time period of Chicago. Chicago. Yeah. Right? It's a Chicago that is not oh, I was about to say it's not burning in the way that the current one is. Um, which yeah. <laughs> it is and it isn't. Um, you know, take that. People who maybe listen to the show from Chicago, <laughs> take that with a grain of salt. Um, but yeah, I think you know we don't really get these kinds of stories like Lovecraft Country centered on Black people. Like we don't really get the chance to be anything other than like inner city in the ghetto, um, drugs. Uh, yeah, all the things that you had listed prior to. We really don't get the chance to be anything else. Or slaves. We get to be slaves. Oh, um, tr true. Always. Always, always a slave. Um, you know, but, and even in the, and even in the, in the slave, slavery, it's, I think that so much happened in that time period that you could make other period pieces around slavery without mm -hmm. having to just redo the same things over and over and over and over again, right? Because there's this whole, like, I want to know more about Florida, Spanish Florida, and how, like, there was these whole maroon colonies in Florida where Black people have ran away and were living in Florida with the Seminoles. Mm -hmm. Like, where's the movie about that? Right. right. Oh, True. But see, then that would be educating. And have people get too educated past, now. Right? have them knowing be... stuff. <laughs> oh, that'd be bad. See, that would actually be good. <laughs> because if if if, if... <laughs> what's the I can't remember what sketch show it's from, where it's like, uh, oh, yeah. 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 It's like what do you think? Oh, now you know I'm not Isn't that thing. <laughs> It might. It. I. I just. Just the. The idea of, of con. Of, 
of a thoughtful reflection mm-hmm. on the on the intersections that slavery actually involves. It's the same energy as like anytime I see um, media that revolves around things like the Holocaust or, or things stuff like that, where you know it's like you, there's a lot of groups that were put into those into those in those in those country camps and but thinking about Mm -hmm. history through the lens of everyone existed at the same time (laughs) and there's so many other like it's it's just avoiding real shit to talk about the the generalized versions that have been you know history books are are the people who write them Probably a black probably. person would probably have to be the about, Jamie. You um, might have to make that movie or series. I if like, you, if I you really loved hear. Pirates of the Caribbean, like that whole series. But like, how do you tell the story of the Caribbean without showing black people? Like how without showing Chinese people or Indians? Like, and I'm talking mm-hmm. about actual in, like East Indians, not Native Americans. Like, how do you tell the story of the Caribbean and pirates without showing any of those groups of people? Right. Right. Like there's and they do show them sometimes, but they're always like the niche, like, oh, those yes. are those other pirates. Yes. I um I remember so I follow a, a account on Instagram, which sometimes is getting shadow banned. So you guys definitely go and like their posts. There's a there's a account called Know Your Caribbean. Um, and the woman who runs it, I believe her name is Fiona, she has been doing so much research on Caribbean history, these some of the histories, of course, like people who are of West Indian descent know know those things. Some of them don't, but she's like digging into like things for all of the islands. Not like she herself is from St. Lucia, but there was this one story in particular, like there was this woman who was, I think she was mulatto. She had red hair and like she was called back from the dead red. Like she faked her death and became a pirate. And like, why? Like, how could that not end up in Pirates of the Caribbean? It was who like, <laughs> was terrorizing the Caribbean, you know? Like, how do you not like tell these stories? There's so much, so many stories of defiance, of resistance. Where's our movie about the Haitian Revolution? Does it exist? They're scared. They're scared. They're so scared They're to scared. make a movie about that, right? Like, where is our movie about that? Because if people knew, because the, the one of the things with constantly having slavery as a as a, it's it's like you know you know white people do reading all them books and stuff this past summer and they still ain't no better for it, um, <laughs> you know they like to regurgitate the same stuff, pick at the same wound without really like <laughs> looking at the source of it, or like you know just they just. It's, there's a little bit of masochism in the way white people approach um, race and slavery. Like they want, like they like to see stuff that makes them feel so that they can feel something for black people because we know, and I think I'm think I'm like jumping around, but like follow me. We, when they were doing um, screenings for the Hunger Games, the books, um, little, main, little main character is a darker skinned person, like a black person mm. or a brown skinned person. But when they did screening, test screenings, when they had the cast being mostly dark skinned people, people didn't feel empathy, empathy for them when they died. And they're like, okay, well, we can't have a movie where people don't feel empathy for the main character. So they made all those other district 12 district, you know, all those outer districts, they made them white. 
right? And except for Rue, the district that Rue, uh, Mandela Steinberg's district she came from, they were, you know, were, that was a black district. But we know that like they, mm. they don't empathize with us when they see us, see our, our, us being harmed on screen. And so, you know, there's a certain like, you know, they're, they're com- I think they're comfortable and, dis- and uncomfortable with seeing the same kind of narratives about slavery play out, right? Like they're comfortable with like the overseer beating people, but also uncomfortable because it makes them feel something. Um, they're comfortable with those scenes of, of black women being raped by their masters. They're, you know, all of that, that kind of typical slavery narrative, but there was so much more other stuff happening. There was like resistance happening and we don't get to see those narratives because I think that would just throw people, white people in out of whack because it goes against their particular timeline of history of black people just so sad and like they were like beaten and they were doing like, you know, they mm-hmm. were having to do all this or, you know, whatnot, you know, they were just, or, or it, there's that kind of whole, like, well, black people were happy. They didn't have to worry about where their meals were coming from. And they, all this stuff was being taken care of. Mm-hmm. Like, those, there are people who believe that there are people who believe that. And those are those same people who go on plantation tours. Okay. Mm-hmm. You, you know, it. well, yeah. But all that to say is that they're comfortable with a particular narrative about slavery. If we started to bring in these other narratives of defiance, of of resistance, of, you know, there's one story from Know Your Caribbean where the woman, her master killed her husband. So she plotted against him by, she was in charge of when they would bring new Africans to the island, she was in charge of orienting orienting them to their new circumstance but she ends up in a way creating this whole like um this uh group Mm. that i forgot what do you call it like a oh it's my mind is it's slipping from me like when you um creating a whole like a group of rebellion like creating an entire rebellion from just brought or that they were just brought um Regardless, you, you you get what I'm saying. Uh, but a coup, a coup is like a, I think it's a nice military, but it's a rebellion. It's a rebellion, coup. I think is the, probably the right, the right That's word. That's military. Or insurgents um. or something. But she ends up doing that. Like creating, like she was charged with, okay, you need to orient these, these people to their new condition. But she ends up like secretly telling them like, okay, we gonna, we gonna go get him. Like y'all play along. Like you got to know these things to get by. But when I give the signal, y'all gonna come and y'all gonna kill him. And that's what they did. They killed. They were like killing all of the masters and all. Of, I can't remember which island oh, it was guys. either. But if that was a movie, right? Like if that was the movie that someone you know told or made, like that completely goes flies in the face of like these narratives that they keep giving us. Like I've never seen Twelve Years a Slave, and I'm not. I'm not going to because I watched. Um, was it Nerd that movie Rider? Is Some, so somebody hard did a video essay on YouTube about it, about the shots, the cinematography, and how long they linger. Right. Yes, and that's and it's intentional, like to have these really long mm-hmm. shots where you have a person being hung from a tree, and they're being hung like off in the background and there's like this mundane activity happening in the foreground 
that kind of stuff. And I'm just like, you know what? I don't need to see that personally. I don't need to see right. that. I don't, I don't need it. Um, you know, I don't need that particular kind of trauma. But all that to say, I want more Black stories of resistance in the mainstream media. Mm-hmm. But whether or not I'll get them is, you know. Yes! Where are you, Boots? Where are you, Boots? Boots Riley need to make another movie. Because Sorry to Bother You was, that was, that was really good. <laughs> it was so good. Evan was watching it. Yet, uh, what was that? Earlier today, I woke up. I walked, I walked, I was like going towards the bathroom and I passed by and it's the like animated sequence where like, uh, the, like the cavemen are explaining how things were back in the cave days. And I was like, what is this? And then it cut to, and then it cut back to like them watching. And I was like, oh, oh sorry to bother you. <laughs> well, weird thing to be watching at nine in the morning, but, <laughs> <laughs> but more power to you, I guess. It's a good movie. <laughs> oh. You watch things uh, like you rewatch things a lot in the movie theater. five times. That's wild because you have to spend money every time. Yeah, well, I got... do. I don't do it at home that much, but I do it in the theater. That's what I was about to say. <laughs> what? Well, no, that's the thing. I have I have those little um, discount oh. cards. I have like a a, me- a regal membership. <laughs> right. Um and and so I pay a certain amount of money. well now it's useless because I don't go at all. <laughs> uh, but I would go see movies when I first got to Houston. I was going to the movies every week, sometimes twice a week. I very rarely go to the movie theater. It was uh, like it has to be like a movie that I was like, was man, I've been waiting for this movie. I can't wait to watch it before I go to a movie theater. Yeah, like literally, I think the first movie I went to a movie theater to watch this year was uh, the new Bill and Ted movie. And I only went because I hadn't seen Connor in like months, like almost a a year at this point. And it was like I just moved to Houston and it was like, hey, I'll pay for your movie ticket. Do you want to come hang out with me? I was like, yeah, sure. And it was an empty theater, thankfully, uh, at the Alamo Draft House, which was awesome. First time I'd ever been to one. It was just, it was literally just me and him in this movie theater. And we watched Bill and Ted. And it's like, that's the kind of experience I will leave, I will go to a movie theater for. <laughs> Otherwise, it's not that important for me to watch the movie. I think the thing before that, I think the last movie I'd seen was the, uh, was the new Star Wars movie. Was the last time I'd been to a movie theater before then. And that was like well over a year ago. No, that no, that wasn't well over a year ago. That was last winter, because it was. Oh <laughs> I God, watched it yeah. the same day I watched Cats twenty nineteen. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's a great way to. Die. Don't diss, oh. don't diss Cats. You well, know and that's cats. the end of the. Podcast. I'll, di- I'll die for Cats. <laughs> Jason Handelillo. <laughs> Jason Delrulo was an amazing addition cats. to the Cats. Uh, <laughs> to the Cats family. <laughs> No one else could play Rum Tum Tugger. Oh my gosh. Do we have any oh, final thoughts on black media before we wrap up this podcast? 
Yeah, make more. I want to see. I want to see more varied black stories. Make more. I'm of tired it. of seeing the same things where we're poor <laughs> and we're we're struggling in the inner city and we're hustling to get stuff done. I want to see us thriving uh, in a in a sincere way, of course. Um, but also just like doing more stuff. I want to see more Hippolytas. Like I want to see more uh i can't remember i think it's keith knight is the name of the character yeah because it's keith knight's story i want to see more characters like him from woke like artists i want to see i want to see more black people out here doing shit that's not hustling drugs Mm -hmm. or being being discriminated against on a college campus Because I I don't need I don't need to be watching that in TV. I can just go to school if I wanted that. If I wanted to watch that, like I could just like live it. <laughs> I've lived it. I done it. Didn't like it. Let's move on. Yeah. I I want um I want producers to realize that. The mom doesn't Ooh. have to. The, the parents doesn't, doesn't have to be yes. uh, a black man, hair yes. with a light skin. We can make skin that woman. up just a wee yes. bit. It's an like, oversaturation of light skin like, women in media. We I, can mix it up just I a little bit. It, and it needs to stop. Um, <sighs> Preach. <laughs> Please. There's that have have either of you got, seen room uh, the new. Uh, the the Dolomite movie? No, that's the one with Eddie Murphy, it's, right? Yeah, it's good, and there's a and I think there's a there's a great moment ah. <laughs> um, that, uh, in the movie, yeah, um, that kind of encapsulates this idea that we're talking about. Um, I'm looking it up now so I get her name right. Uh, Lady Reed. Uh, she plays a character in it. Um, no, wait, hold on. Sorry, this is the actual old dynamite. Uh, I need the new. <laughs> I need the new dolomite. Is my name not the actual dolomite movie? Um, come on, IMDb, <laughs> work your magic. This episode uh, was ch- not ch- sponsored by IMDb. It is not. Uh, <laughs> 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 It's you said not, that with some clarity that I it thought it was coming Obama. from another app. <laughs> Ooh, very nice. Um, okay, I found it. Character's name is Lady Reed, based off of the actual actress Lady Reed. Uh, her name is, and I might mess this up, Divine Joy Randolph. Oh. Um, but uh, you, you know, she she is a she is a uh, both her and the character they are a larger um, black woman, and she like the actual person. Uh, you know, she gets to be in this movie as like a prominent character. And there's this moment where she's talking with Rudy, Eddie Murphy's character, um, where she's like, thank you for letting me have this. Because there's not a, like I don't get to see women like me who look like me on the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you for for like giving her the opportunity to be able to like represent herself, women who look like her, women who act like her, women who, you know, um, empathize with that experience, uh, being able to be put on screen 
in what was a major hit and like was able like i mean but she like thanks him even before she knows it's going to be a major hit like just like the act of allowing her to even get have like that opportunity you know and it's such a and it's a very very beautiful heartfelt moment um that I thought was super cool that I was not expecting from this from this movie at all. <laughs> right? They are. All right. Well, I think we should start trying to wrap it up before Anchor throws us off of this uh this wonderful journey. Well, <laughs> Kendrick, I know it's a two hour limit, and we about to hit it. Oh. Um, but Kendrick, thank you so much for being on <laughs> Has the a show two hour today. Limit. We really appreciate you taking the time to be here. Oh, thank you so much. I've I, I've been listening to some episodes, and I'm glad that I've been able to to add something uh, to the conversation. Yes, we're definitely gonna have to have you back on the show. Oh, perfect. Yes, <laughs> I thought I was gonna have to beg. No, no, uh, no, no, no. I don't. <laughs> Look, we are next week is our last episode. It's the end of the season. We might have a bonus Ooh. episode, like a holiday, holiday episode or something. Maybe depends on how we feel, you know. But it's our last episode, and so we want to thank everyone for listening. For sharing the podcast, we're I think we're at like what four hundred streams. Oh, okay. Ooh, y'all really listening? And I know pe- there are people catching up. We're still. at like so, four forty six you know, now. Like um, thank you for listening. We appreciate you. We love you. Um, and yeah, I guess Marcellus, give us an give us an out. And also, we want to thank Playdate for giving us our lovely outro. You know, they are also fans of sci-fi and comics and all of that good stuff. So thank you to Playdate yeah. for giving us our our um, outro. Why don't we talk about it? Um, make sure to uh, follow us on Twitter um, at Where I See Me. Uh, for all our news, you know, occasional conversation, uh, you know, jump ins. We want to hear from you, and uh, it's a good way to, to keep up with whatever's going on in relation to the podcast. And stay black. Um, I have been Marcellus. Uh, stay nerdy. Yeah. That was good. That was great. <laughs>